Welcome to Respond to Resilience, along with my co-host, Dr. Stacey Raymond and Bonnie Rumley, LCSW, EMTB. I'm David Dashinger. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Dr. Ken Hoffman, Doctor of Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine and Medical Director of Sophia Natural Health Center in Brookfield, Connecticut. Our topic, acupuncture and emotional energy management for anxiety, depression, and PTSD. We'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Respond to Resilience. Uh, we're on Facebook under Responder Wellness Inc. We're also on bbsradio.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our website is respondertv.com. We'll be right back with Dr. Ken Hoffman after this. In this family, more of us die by our own hands than by the hazards of the job. In this family, up to a quarter of 911 dispatchers have symptoms of PTSD. In this family, our mental health and wellness are in crisis while responders are quietly suffering. In this family, many struggle with job-related stress, burnout, trauma, sleep disruption, substance abuse, and marriage problems. In this family, we can help the helpers with vital information and resources, resilient strategies, and success stories of overcoming the obstacles. In this family, no one is alone. Welcome to Respond to Resilience with co-hosts, retired Lieutenant David Dashinger, Dr. Stacy Raymond, and Bonnie Rumley, LCSW, EMTB. And I'd like to welcome Dr. Ken Hoffman to Respond to Resilience. Um, real quickly, get into his bio, and then we'll let Ken uh, talk about his experience and uh, what he does as a functional medicine practitioner. Dr. Hoffman's been in practice for 20 years. He received his doctorate from Pacific College of Health and Science, where he now teaches new doctors in clinical management and case study review. He's a U.S. Army veteran, an active EMT in his town, an avid adventurer motorcyclist, and a naturalist. Along with his medical and admin team, his clinic, Sophia Natural Health Center, delivers the most comprehensive scientific holistic evaluation and treatment that is designed to find and treat the root cause of health problems. Welcome to Respond to Resilience, Ken. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Well, great. Let's dive in, have a great conversation. Uh, Bonnie, would you like to lead off? Sure. Um, I was really intrigued in your journey in the Army. Could you talk a little bit more about that and how it led you to functional medicine and EMS? Yeah, that's that's a great story. You know, I'm always everybody's always like, oh, you're a renaissance man because they've done everything. You know, I, I kind of break my life into two different sections. The first section of my life was I, I joined the military when I was very young. I was 17. I was a, a combat army veteran, um, airborne, you know, uh, airborne trained and did that. Went from that and transitioned into being a, a, a corporate bodyguard where I was actually part of the I was an MRT for any of your listeners out there that remember when that existed. Um, and I was part of the part of the medical team for a, a Fortune 500 executive and, the, and owned a martial arts school. So that was my whole like first part of my life, the whole high adrenaline, um, you know, excitement driven kind of life. Um, but then I transitioned and ended up going back to school, which which David talked about. It's a six year program clinical internship, which I did at St. John's Riverside Hospital, focusing specifically on functional medicine, uh, which is really about dealing with the root cause of health health issues by looking at the frame of the body and how it's malfunctioning and then successfully changing that 
to a healthy body using natural natural uh, therapies, things like acupuncture or herbal medicine, diet therapies, lifestyle therapies, all these all of these things in such a way that you know we can bring people back to health. And I've been doing that for about 20 years now. I'm relatively new to the EMT world, but uh, you know, it's uh, as it, it, it part of um, part of what I do is I've got a lot of time to work up patients and to work with them. And I wanted to get back into uh, not only just serving my town, but being able to you know it just kind of drive my my skills a little bit more on the EMS side. Um, also, and David mentioned that I'm a avid adventure motorcycle rider. Uh, my, uh, my buddies don't know much about medicine uh, or EMS or EMT or anything like that. And so when we're out in the woods in the middle of nowhere, I thought, well, somebody's got to learn how to patch these guys up. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you get to carry the first aid kit. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's kind of how the whole thing evolved. I feel like I've had two lives within my life. So, <laughs> what is uh, how is functional medicine different than uh, the traditional medical approach? But also, um, na- like being a naturopath, how mm-hmm. is functional medicine different than being a naturopath? Also. Well, you know, I, I think that naturopathic medicine and functional medicine probably are very similar terms. Right. Um, at, at, at the root of it uh, um, is really that, well, let me, let me step back a minute. So conventional medicine really looks at, they're looking at a disease process. So you're getting lab work, you're getting an evaluation. They're really looking for something that's very concrete in the body. Functional, mm-hmm. med- functional medicine is looking more at malfunction. So how has the body been interrupted from functioning optimally? Because what is optimal health? Optimal health is feeling happy every day, having lots of energy, sleeping well, digesting properly, having a generally positive outlook on life. That's what a healthy body is. So Mm -hmm. functional medicine looks at why is that not that state? Why is it that somebody has chronic disease over time? Because the body does heal itself. So why would somebody have chronic pain for, for years and years? Why would there be some kind of, you know, diabetes or, or whatever it might be? And so functional medicine really looks at how do we correct that? How do we correct the body back to its natural state? And natu- naturopathic medicine does very a very similar thing. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's a lot of difference. I think mm-hmm. MDs who do functional medicine would call them functional medicine doctors. Naturopathic physicians who are licensed in the state of Connecticut would call themselves naturopathic physicians. So, okay. you know, I, there's a lot of crossover in the two. So, uh, Ken, with all the, uh, the tools you have at your uh, disposal as a functional medicine doctor, um, is there evidence to support the effectiveness of those tools like acupuncture? Oh, there's a tremendous amount of evidence, David. I mean, if you just did something like went to the Natural Library of Medicine and put in whatever condition, natural natural solutions, you would have literally tens of thousands. Now, I do know the acupuncture world very well. There's over 50,000 research sightings in the National Library of Medicine on acupuncture. Right now, the Army... The Air Force and the Navy all use acupuncture in the battlefield, uh, and they're also teaching this to nurses, ter- teaching acupuncture for PTSD and traumatic brain injuries in the hospitals. Um, so, the, you know, there's there's a lot of evidence to support all of this. One of the challenges right now is because we're using multiple kind of tools to help somebody, it doesn't fit into the research model all that well. You know, in research, you want to know what's the substance that's making this thing better. Well, the problem is, is that if I see a patient that says, you know, suffering from fatigue, 
Uh, I might be doing acupuncture, giving them some supplementation, teaching them some body exercises, changing their diet slightly to get because I'm looking to get the result. And so it does. So unfortunately, while you can look up all of these things uh, in research, for example, if you look up St. John's work, you can find lots of research. You look up CBD, you know, cannabidiols, you can see lots of research. The problem is, is bringing it all together for the patient. Um, but it but the evidence does exist. Well, my burning question is, do you work with first responders? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know what? It, and it's great being in a volunteer organization now is I'm like secretly getting them all to come to me. <laughs> 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 little by little, I'm working my way in because, you know, first responders can be very resistant to treatment. You know, we we all think we're super tough and we don't. You know, we're going to kind of, you know, we're going to handle it on our own. Um, you know, like I had one, one, one uh, you know, it's just it's one of those things. So I definitely work with first responders and I'm also in, I'm also enrolled in the VA. So, um, you know, we treat veterans as well. So I've treated a tremendous amount of veterans um, because we get it covered. You know, we, we get it covered under the Veterans Administration um, kind of uh, practices. So um, that's been really good, too. But I definitely work with all of these people. Um, typically, um, what I like to do is. I, you know, most of them are going to come with some kind of complaint that's more related to I have chronic pain, like uh, like uh, paresthesia is very common in, in police officers, um, you know, and that's the pain that comes from wearing the heavy duty belts all the time. Mm -hmm. So paresthesia and low back pain is a very common thing. So they'll come in with that. And then all of a sudden, because we take a more holistic approach and yeah. we're looking at the whole body, all of a sudden, all these other things start coming up like all of a, they're having uh, sleep problems or they're having right. anxiety problems that they haven't talked to anybody about. Sure. So all of a sudden, all these other little things start coming out. Um, but yes, I, and, I, and I like working with this population because once you can get beyond that, that wall, that barrier towards them uh, uh, accepting help, um, they're great people to work with. So, so yes, I do. <laughs> Good. The referrals will start flowing soon. <laughs> I, I hope so. You know, and, and yeah, I, I, I certainly hope so. You know, it's, it's, it, for me, it's, it's very satisfying because it's a group that I'm, you know, I'm not separated from. I'm not talking from a theoretical model. I'm, I'm working at, in EMS as well. And, you know, I've, I've gone through all the high adrenaline activities and still do that, you know, that first responders do. So I feel like, you know, I can relate. And, and uh, I'm not talking theoretic, theoretical. And then, of course, 17 years of treating and seeing the results we can get. You know, I feel confident in what we do. I unloaded 32 years of emotion. This job isn't a joke and it can hurt you. How does yoga or meditation help with that? Coming to terms with who you are. You know, nobody calls us because they're having a good day. It's really the suicide that becomes a huge issue. People are more trustworthy with the dog. Sleep deprivation helps them either be better or worse. Completely secretive when we started this. So it's pretty much taboo. Take care of the people next to you. First responders really being open about what they're struggling with. If we know that, let's raise awareness. Brings you together to talk about it. And it tells you you're not alone. So I have a specific question. So sure. with regard to say, um, cause we see a lot of, uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress injury, um, in, in first responders and, um, veterans, how, how is your approach to that and how is it different than what they are traditionally, um, recommended to do with regard mm. to their, their post-traumatic stress? 
Yeah, this is a great this is a great question, Dr. Raymond, is that um, I think that the more traditional approach would be a medication approach um, and, and, and then, of course, therapy. And while I don't I don't do therapy, I leave that up to the professionals. Um, I, I think that there is supplementary therapies that we can do that are mm-hmm. not not drug or medication related that mm-hmm. will get the same results. Um, so how I different is different differ is that I don't, we're not going to recommend medication unless it's extremely severe. You know, if it's something that needs medication, of course, I'm not opposed to it. Right. But, but the goal is to exhaust all other avenues first. Correct. Right. Um, so what would you do? Uh, someone comes to you and they don't necessarily, you don't think that they need uh, pharmaceutical medication, but they have, they fit the criteria for post-traumatic stress. What would, what would you do? Uh, great question. So the first thing that I would do is I would actually uh, I I would work up the patient or the whole patient from beginning to end because I think that there is a very physiologic reason why these things sustain. So we would uh, we would evaluate um, let's say maybe do hormone profiles, nutrient profiles. Uh, we would look at things like the adrenal gland function and nervous system function. I actually have some tools in my office for evaluating whether somebody's in that parasympathetic that relaxation mode or the sympathetic the fighter flight mode mm-hmm. and where 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 are they living are they living in that sympathetic overload or are they living in that parasympathetic said parasympathetic overload i have a tool in my office for looking at that yeah. so 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 really in in a nutshell first let's look at let's look at you as a whole being not just ptsd mm-hmm. not just the events not just okay. the events that led to that so that's the first thing we do then from there i would apply treatment and one of the most effective treatments for PTSD is definitely acupuncture. Um, so we might, I might do a course of acupuncture um, to start with, and then whatever deficits we might see, like ad- adrenal dysfunction is another thing. All of the hormones related to the adrenal glands, those right. stress glands of the body, we might support those with nutrients and supplements. Um, and there's a variety of different things you can do for that. B-complex, vitamin C, um, you know, reducing caffeine and you know, reducing the load on those adrenal glands. All of that yeah. stuff can help. Um, and then, of course, I might have, you know, of course, you'd, you'd have them see somebody like you as well um, and also do things like heart math and uh, our earthing is another great thing that I like to use. You may have, I don't know if you've heard of earthing, heard but of earthing. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. And that, and interestingly enough, earthing has a lot of science behind it. Um, Steven Sinatra, uh, an award-winning cardiologist did a lot of studies on earthing. And basically what it is, is, I mean, for a nutshell, for your, for your listeners okay. is it's basically getting your feet grounded to the earth's magnetic field. Mm-hmm. Ironically is that we're so separated from that. We get this buildup of electrons, which agitate our nervous system. So by reducing, reducing that, by getting grounded, They've yeah. actually found that that relaxes the nervous system, lowers blood pressure. So I actually prescribe it. Go outside and take your shoes off. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but they also have earthing mats and other things you can do to ground yeah. yourself. So, so really what I would do is put together a treatment plan that would combine multiple different therapies to hit it from a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, that's what I do. And I think that that's why we get, that's why we get results. So. so to go back to the acupuncture just for a minute, it, it seems mm-hmm. to me like the acupuncture is going to help what you said, calm down the central nervous system as well. Right. And then maybe it hits along those certain pathways in the brain that can help do that. Is that kind of along the lines of what you think? Of what it does? Yeah, yes. there, there's been a tremendous amount of study about how does acupuncture actually work. And so 
after doing this for 20 years, I've come to the conclusion that it actually works on different levels. The nervous okay. system, the nervous system is one. What it does is it can, it can, it, it can reduce the, the sympathetic overload on the system and re-regulate the nervous system. But it also has an, an effect on things like endogenous opioids and other, and other endogenous hormones that the body can produce itself. A lot of people don't know that things like morphine, which, you know, the first responders will know a lot about is that the body the body can produce five times the amount of morphine that you can get from taking the drug. You just have to activate the system that does it. It does it naturally and very, and very healthily. So, you know, acupuncture seems to do that. There's some recent studies that actually show that acupuncture also stimulates something the, uh, called the ECS system, the endocannabinoid system, which is why mm-hmm. people do things like, like, like medical marijuana, um, but that it'll activate your CB2 receptors, so it'll give you that same kind of s- relaxation response as 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 things like CBD. So there's a lot of different levels in which it works, um, and and then reduces inflammation and pain, and it's got some anesthetic properties as well. All this has been studied. Um, uh, Dr. Nemowitz, I think his his name is, who started Battlefield Acupuncture, has a tremendous amount of information on this on the web, um, where he's training medics, field medics, to do acupuncture for things like pain, et cetera. But they have a ton of studies to support that. That's so. That's how I think it works. Super interesting. Um, and speaking of acupuncture, I was reading that you set up an acupuncture center at Sandy Hook, uh, along with your state organization after the shootings there. Um, so what were you able to contribute to the well-being of that community through acupuncture? Yeah, that that was probably one of the profound um kind of experiences in my life. And that, that was the ability to take the to take what I've been studying and working with on an individual basis with patients for years and be able to apply this in a way that people really needed the help. Um, and so there were two things that happened. We set up we set up an acupuncture clinic right down in Sandy Hook um, where people could come in and get more of a group acupuncture treatment. And um, so they would come in on their own. Uh, we were there for, I don't know, gosh, a couple months, I think. And uh, they'd come in and we were using primarily auricular acupuncture, which is the ear-based acupuncture, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which, which, wow. which is the one that's the battlefield acupuncture as well. Um, and, and then, you know, giving guidance towards, you know, places, you know, people locally, the challenge that I had with that was we didn't see as many first responders as I wanted to see. It had to do with, uh, I, I believe it had something to do with some of the liabilities and some of the challenges that they had dealing with their unions and things like that. So there was some politics involved mm-hmm. where they couldn't go to a, a, a general community clinic, but had to be seen by people within their network. Um, so I, unfortunately, I didn't see as many during that time that I really wanted to. Um, I did have the opportunity to also do do some sessions at the middle school um, with the teachers as well, uh, just a couple of weeks afterwards. And that was really, that was fun too. I treated, I've never treated so many people at one time, but I did like 45 acupuncture treatments all at the same time. Wow. And, and what was cool about it was they were all in a room together. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I will never forget this experience because they all came in like this frenetic, like, da, 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 you know, they're all like, five, <laughs> yeah, right? right. And then I yeah. did the, I did the acupuncture treatments and you could visibly see that like the whole room just went, Ooh. wow. Yeah. And then everybody was quiet. They didn't right. feel like they had to talk to each other and they just kind of, some of them closed their eyes and it was just, it was this sense of peace that I don't think that they had experienced since the shooting. 
and it was it was palpable and it was one of the again one of the one of the experiences of my lifetime that i was i'm very grateful to have been a part of so it was it was fun um in that way to to be able to experience that and and profound so uh that's that's kind of what we did down there we stayed down there until people stopped coming into the clinic and then we just kind of closed it out so that's that's kind of that's how it all worked down there but it was great well yeah fairfield county trauma response team is a nonprofit alliance of mental health professionals dedicated to helping first responders heal from trauma tragedy and stress we help as they manage community crises and the everyday demands of ensuring public health and safety Established in 2011, FCTRT was formed in response to a call for emotional help from the Stanford Fire Department after a traumatic fatal fire. Less than a year later, the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting occurred, and members again served the first responder community. Most recently, COVID-19 created a need for our support. We provide free educational presentations, pro bono sessions to deal with community disasters, and an extensive referral service to trauma-informed psychotherapists. If you're a responder in Fairfield County and need help dealing with duty-related stress, please reach out to us so you can continue to do the job you love. Visit our website at fctrt.org or find us on Instagram at Fairfield County TRT. You know, something that Stacy and I talk about all the time and we see in our practices, you know, people want to come in and they want to feel better quickly and they want to know how to do it, right? And often what we say to them is it's a multi-pronged approach and you're validating that here because mm-hmm. you're saying it's not just speaking to someone. It may not be just medication, but we need to look at all of these things, your diet, mm-hmm. your sleep. We've said this on multiple podcasts, but I think what you're saying just validates it that any number or combination of these things can foster that kind of change. And I think especially in first responders to have something tangible Mm -hmm. that they could do immediately, that's physical, that they can feel in their body. I I think that's why it's so important. And that's why we see it work so quickly. And, and, you know, I think Bonnie kind of following up on that is that I also think that they, it, I, you know, I look at life as yin and yang after studying this medicine for so long. One of the things is that you have, for example, talk therapy where you're helping people work through these issues. I think that it's very valuable. But if you're if the physiologically the body's fighting that, it's going to cause a resistance. So if your adrenal glands are depleted and all of those stress hormones are completely mm-hmm. depleted, mm-hmm. your body's going to be fighting to try and normalize. And at the same time, and vice versa, too, if you're not able to manage yourself emotionally, um, then even if you fix it physiologically, but you can't manage yourself emotionally, you're not going to get a good effect either. So it, there's a synergy that happens when you're dealing with the mind and the body mm-hmm. uh, and spirit and the spirit too, the mind, body and spirit. You know, it's a it's an overused phrase, but it's absolutely true when you're managing a patient. And so that's why I see my outside therapists and all that as extremely valuable to mm-hmm. the work that I do. Um, because I can't do it without them. And honestly, I feel like they can't do it without me. (laughs) So I had one more question. Um, Sorry to cut you off, Stacey. Just one more question about, are you familiar with EMDR therapy? Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Can you speak a little bit to the holistic piece of what you do in EMDR and how that may go together? Well, I don't, I don't do EMDR in my clinic. I'm familiar with it, but I don't practice it. Um, right. I, and, and, uh, and so uh, how it, uh, holistically what it's uh, – and I believe that the roots of EMDR and I believe EFT and some of those other tools I think uh, were actually based on meridian therapy. Um, at, at the, at the core of it, I, I might be wrong. I mean, I'm kind of, you know, I, am familiar with it, but I'm not, you know, I'm probably not an expert on it at all, Mm -hmm. but, um, what it does is because what we're doing is again, we're normalizing physiology, the meridian system in ac in, 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 in acupuncture says that there are certain points on the body that actually when activated will stimulate other areas of the body. You know, I, the way I explain it to patients is it's very similar to flicking a light switch on the wall. It turns the light off over here. We have to remember that our bodies work like that. So when we're doing any kind of therapies where you're using acupressure or movement or some kind of body therapy, you're actually stimulating those the movement of uh, of activity through those particular pathways that I don't think we quite understand yet. Um, but EMDR, again, very, very it's been well studied. Um, EFT has been well studied. Um, you know, and then the acupuncture component is just because that's my wheelhouse. So. Um, yeah, I, I, there is the, the holistic part about it is, again, you're normalizing the body. So and people get immediate res- relief. I, I had mentioned, I think it was with you, David, before we started was uh, I was I was reading or I might have mentioned it here already. That I was reading an NIH study with, where acupuncture worked with uh, our acupressure. And I think, I, again, I think they were talking about EFT in particular was um, it is that within four to 10 or 12 visits, you're getting, you know, a, a tremendous response in things like PTSD. So, you know, I think it's because it speaks to that holistic component. How is um, dealing with veterans and first responders different uh, in your eyes than the general public? Uh, Well, being both, I I know that we're kind of closed off a little bit at first where there's some trust issues around civilians, Um, whether it's warranted or not, you know, that's beside the point. So uh, being able to open ourselves to get help is, is sometimes a challenge. Um, that's, uh, I, I think also is that we, there, there's a perception that we should be able to handle it, uh, that yeah. we should be tough about it. And it was mm-hmm. interesting because I, I, I often say to my staff, I say, you know, think first responders, um, you know, they're not treated like veterans, but they should be because they're seeing a lot of the horrible stuff that, that, that a veteran might see or a combat veteran might see. And I think that um, it's kind of one of those overlooked areas. So the challenges that we have is that, is that even society kind of says, well, you know, it kind of, kind of ignores that that actually exists. So maybe the first responders, at least what I perceive, is that they're like, well, you know, I should be okay. And I think that that's not 
always the case. So I find that it's a little bit, there's a lot more barriers to getting through to them. So, um, but once you do, and they realize the benefit of what you can do, um, I'd find that veterans and first responders tend to be exceedingly loyal. Like they won't go anywhere else. Like you, you go, like I try it. Like, I'm like, listen, you don't need me anymore. And they'll be like, no, 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 I'm coming in. I'm coming today. So, so there's a, there's a loyalty and there's a, a, a family component, but you have to break through that barrier first. And that's the, that's the, what I found in my practice with dealing with, with veterans and first responders. And once you do, then you've got a great patient and, and they understand, you know, how we're helping them. Um, and then there's also, you know, in alternative medicine, you have that whole, I mean, that's just from the general population thinks that it's a bunch of woo woo. And it's absolutely with the day and age, with the amount of research and science that we have, it's completely unwarranted, but that, that still is out there, you know, like, Oh, acupuncture is, is uh, voodoo medicine or whatever it might be, or, you know, supplements don't work. Um, it, that's just not the case, but you have to break. So there's these different barriers you have to bake through. And I think with veterans and first responders, you, you just have a little bit, you have a couple more layers to go through. Well, um, here's a topic that we've seen kind of a uh, great interest in, and that has to do with um, alternatives to prescription medications and how, how one can handle some of the challenges of sleep, uh, depression, attention deficit, um, some of the things that responders are dealing with and um, sometimes turning to prescription meds for that. What um, what do you offer or what are some of the alternatives that could uh, be used alongside or in place of? Well, that, that's a great, a great point, David. And, um, you know, I think that the first thing that I would say is that um, if somebody is going to use something like some alternatives like herbs or supplements, they should be very cautious with mixing that with any kind of medication um, because, sometimes these 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 herbal therapies will actually duplicate medication and so you could get into some problems the second part about it is is that i found is that um the right dosing the right product and the right um at the right times is very important and you won't get the same results uh, as you will if you have somebody a professional who knows what they're doing to help give you the right amounts you know cbd oil is a common um, something that's very common. It's been out there now. And a lot of people don't know how to, how to dose it or how to deal with it. Doctors don't even, I, I mentioned earlier, their endocannabinoid system, which is part, is something that physicians aren't even taught in medical school. So how's the general population going to know about this? So, um, you know, that there, there are a variety of things, but you got to be careful and make sure you're taking the right thing. But CBD oil, again, is, is, is great for anxiety. Um, however, if you're a first responder, if you're on the job, uh, you can't have anything with THC in it because you're going to start, you're going to start coming up positive on your tests. Um, they do make broad spectrums where they've removed all the THC. And I use that with my first responders. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but there's also dosing issues because everybody's endocannabinoid system is a little bit different. You got to dose it appropriately. So without, if you don't, it won't work. So there's, there's a dosing threshold. So, you know, I, I think CBD oil is something that's really good. Um, you know, and, you know, there's also other, other solutions like aromatherapies have been shown to be very, very effective. Um, and that's using things like lavender, lemon balm. Um, I know I spent some time in the, you know, in the, in the Orient, I actually, I actually, uh, did an internship in China. Um, and I spent a lot of time in the temples over there. And so for me, I have a trigger back to a relaxation response from sandalwood because they burned it in all the temples. So like whenever I smell sandalwood, I'm like, 
Mm-hmm. You know, the <laughs> olfactory sensation is very powerful. Yeah. So you sure. can en- you can entrain a relaxation response oh, yeah. with aromatherapies. Yep. Um, as far as anxiety is concerned, magnesium, B-complex, um, also regulating blood sugar. I find that a lot of people who have difficulty sleeping, it's about regulating blood sugar. They'll wake up in the middle of the night, but it's actually a reactive hypoglycemia. They're getting low blood sugar, and it's spiking their sympathetic response. So hmm. regulating blood sugar is important. Um, for depression, you have things like 5-HTP. Your omega-3 fatty acids are critical. Most people don't know that our brains are fat. Yeah. You know, 80% of the brain is fat. And uh, the American diet tends to be very deficient in the good oils, the good omega-3 oils. And so what happens is is that the, the, the ability of the nervous system to res- respond quickly for that relaxation versus stress response goes away if you're deficient in essential fats. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then there's melatonin, which people probably know a lot about for sleep. Mm -hmm, Melatonin is effective, but but people have to keep in mind it is a hormone. And if you take too much, it actually has a, uh, an opposite effect. It'll actually Mm -hmm. stimulate you. So taking more is not necessarily better. Um, those are some of the solutions that I use. Um, there's things we had mentioned, uh, heart math. We had mentioned earthing. Um, you know, all uh, the other thing is there's weighted blankets. Uh, weighted blankets <laughs> is something that's very yeah. common for people. Right. Um, but I, I think that it's worth using some of these supplements and nutrients uh, because there's a lot of side effects from most of the prescription meds out there, your benzos and your SNRIs and, you know, all the stuff for the EMTs, you know, we hear about your Valium and your Lexapros, you know, we see most of our patients are on that stuff. Um, The problem with it is that, you know, there's the, the common, the common kind of side effects of those medication are things like sexual dysfunction, decreased alertness, um, and even suicidal ideation comes, can come from some of these medications. But the biggest thing that I see in the practice is most of these medications, they lose efficacy over time. Mm. that's the interesting part it doesn't mm. stick yeah. so it's, so it's it's not a long-term solution so i'm not against that being a short-term solution but at the end of the day i think the long term they're going to end up on one of our doorsteps because the because the medications just don't resolve the problem right so that's that's my take on these i i, I think some people need them um, again, part of my past history, I actually worked at Holbrook Hospital for three years, mm. working, in the, working on the psychiatric ward. So I've seen medications in the most extreme cases keep keeps people alive sometimes. Sure. Um, right. But but I think that, you know, these solutions that I've talked about, um, I think are are something I mean, how, how what's the downside of taking magnesium? Your muscles are relaxing. You're going to feel right. better. It's good for right. you. And we're deficient in it anyway. Yeah. So a lot of these things don't. You know, if, if you come to me and you're already on a medication, I'm going to try and guide towards those things that don't have interactions. Sure. Um, and, and I think CBD oil is generally pretty safe to take if you take the mm-hmm. right dosages as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, things like B-complex, vitamin B is, it helps to nourish the whole system. So, you know, those types of things. And a lot of times you can do blood tests to see whether you're deficient in these or not. But that's those are in all of this. These are all the solutions that are non-pharmaceutical. Right. So why not exhaust that first is kind of my well, absolutely. opinion. Absolutely. Right. Right. And then you most likely avoid any um, side effects. So mm-hmm. what do you do with people with um people that are self-medicating, you know, uh, with alcohol, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe too much marijuana. 
Yeah, that's a good question too. I've I've had I've had that in in a lot. I've had I, I've treated a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I I think that that has to be a multi pronged approach because you got an addiction component of that as well. Yeah. Um, I, you know that that you're dealing with some. I can still work with people like that. Um, and I have in the past. I think you have to be super cautious. Um, mm. you know when when you when you work with them. You know, I have. I remember one story where I had a patient. They come in. They came in. They were pretty. They were pretty drunk. You know, and you have to. Yeah, you know, I'm like, I can't treat you today. You know, I got to send you out. You know, then it's like you're calling their family to drive them home because you don't want them leaving your clinic drunk. And it's 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 tough. But I I think that you have to treat it as an addiction at that yeah. point, whether it's mm-hmm. met, whether it's emotional or physiologic. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some side effects of smoking too much marijuana. There's the whole cyclic vomiting syndrome, which nobody talks about, but I've seen it in my clinic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen it and mm-hmm. uh, it exists. Um, so, you know, I try and just, you know, share with them that this is just your, your, your self-treating and it's, and, and it's not a long-term solution. Right. Uh, so, that's that's kind of how I've dealt with it in the past, and and you know obviously um, uh, there's the NADA protocols, which are used for opioid addictions. That's the National Association of Drug Addiction Protocols, uh, which uh, which uh, I I believe at one point it was taught at Lincoln Hospital to therapists, um, and in Connecticut uh, therapists can do uh, the NADA protocol for uh, anti anxiety and for addiction, and so uh, MCCA, which is a place up here, mm-hmm. I've done some treatments there as well, um, which is we use the ear acupuncture and we have seeds that we can put in that actually stay in there long term and it's used to reduce ad- addiction um huh. it just it, it 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 reduces the urges like that urge to to use what do you um, mean seeds you put in there what do you mean yeah yeah so they're so they're little tiny seeds like they're they're vicarious seeds and they're on a, a piece of um uh, of like uh, surgical tape and yeah. the, you put them on the ear in specific yeah. points for addiction and then they press them and it actually stimulates the acupuncture oh, point that's in I the see. ear. I see. And so I can, you can leave them in for, I don't know, I, I've left them in for a couple of weeks at a time. And right. People, so and the, the person can actually do them. They can massage that area themselves in order to decrease a, a craving. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, and yeah, like I said, the, the program was started back in the 70s at Lincoln Hospital. And and. Um, Does it work think- for Tostitos? <laughs> <laughs> I have a problem at seven o'clock, oh, around man. seven o'clock at night. Well, listen, there's no help. There's- <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, but we, I, I've used it for 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 food stuff too. It definitely yeah. works. But I don't know okay. if, you, if you like your Tostitos. <laughs> I like them too much. That's a pity. I'll, I'll give you a call. Okay. Um, there you go. We'll put some seeds in, see what we can do. No problem. Time for a research project. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Ken, uh, circling back to one EMT to another here, what are some of the gaps in tools to handle some of the traumatic incidents? Uh, what are your ideas for helping EMS providers specifically? Yeah, great, great question. Again, because I think that this is an area that, especially in, the, in volunteerism, that, you know, you have people who become EMTs, and I don't think they always, like, I went into medicine knowing what medicine was about. Um, I don't think all EMTs go into, go into EMS knowing what they're going to see. You know, c- schooling is very different than showing up on, you know, on a, you know, on a, on a cardiac case, um, or somebody, or, or let's say, uh, 
you know, something like uh, like an overdose. It's a whole different animal and it gets ugly and it can get dirty. And I think that one of the challenges is, is that um, they don't really I don't think they really see that that's coming. So now they're all of a sudden in this where they're in this environment where they're expected to perform. And I think part of the part of the gap may start even from the training. When I took my MRT class and maybe it was the, the person I took it from, I remember seeing gruesome films. Yes. From the beginning. That's what they used to show. They used to show gruesome films. And I used to go and, you know, it never bothered me. So I'd go home and I'd be at the kitchen table and my wife, I'd be like, look at this amputation. And they'd, she'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah. I don't, we've probably all done that. Um, but but those are I, my I, favorite. I know, right? Nice. But, but I kind of felt like what that was, was a desensitization. And yeah. by the time you get out of the program, you'd at least know that either this is right. for you or it's not. My daughter then took, you know, and then um, the whole COVID thing actually shut down a lot of the ride-alongs yes. um, for EMT. So I think that part of the gap is, is that I think that there needs to be a more experiential component of this so that people don't get into something that they Maybe maybe it's not for them. I think it starts from there. Then you go to the departments, and I think in the departments, I think that there can be, and again, we're all volunteers, and, and obviously in professional departments, they may have this, but I think that like what David talked about, which I'm very excited about, which is the peer response group, I think that each department should be linked into this kind of stuff so, yeah. that, you have, so that you have a platform to vent from some of these calls. Mm-hmm. Um, so that those are my ideas of how to handle these traumatic mm-hmm. events, because as you all, as you all know, and I'm speaking to the choir here is just having a platform to talk about this in a safe environment where you can just kind of like, wow, that really sucked that call, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think is really helpful. And I think that the departments with all of the busyness that goes on, it tends to be kind of shuffled more to the background. And I mm-hmm. think that that should be brought to a little bit more prevalence. Maybe it's about creating an officer that, that deals with that. Um, you know, in a volunteer department, maybe having a person that's assigned to, you know, running a peer peer response group or an after action reports and, you know, those kinds of things, which I think would be really good to have or debriefings after, you know, tough calls. But what I found is that even debriefing after tough calls, remember that a lot of times, like I, I work nights because I like the nights, So I'm always volunteering at night in the ambulance. It might be me and one other person. They don't even know what we did. The rest of the department right. doesn't know, so they wouldn't know right. to do a debriefing if I if, if right. that particular person saw something crummy. So I think there has to be a process that's built into the departments to handle this. Um, that would be my idea just from my limited experience with departments right now. It might all exist, but right now what I see is, is that it would be really helpful to have somebody who's kind of, all right, you're in charge of this. And let's get some resources to people in some way. That That's my thoughts about the, the gaps. Um, this this is a little bit of a twist on that question, but sometimes in the back of the ambulance, I'll do grounding techniques with patients, you know, if they're cool. particularly anxious or hypervigilant. Um, but I was wondering, are, are there any things that you could think of uh, for EMS providers that they could do in the back of that ambulance based on some of your principles? Ooh, for, you, for themselves or for the patient? Uh, for the patient. Ooh, I... In, <laughs> What what can we do within our scope? <laughs> that's what I that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Is is there a way to sort of draw on some of the things that you're aware of, whether it's biofeedback or grounding or, or some of those things? I thought you might have a couple of little ideas that people could use. Yeah, that's actually ooh, I'm gonna think about this afterward okay. as well. But one of the things that, that comes to mind immediately 
and I've thought about this, Bonnie is doing this, but being so new, I haven't really wanted to incorporate it yet. I'm like, you yeah. know, before I start causing waves, let me be around a while. Um, is, it, yeah, <laughs> is things like there's revival points, like for example, that I really want to try, like uh, do 20, this point right here mm-hmm. above the philtrum is, is, a, is a revival point that's used in acupuncture when somebody uh, has syncope. So you can, you can draw – if I had an acupuncture needle, I would needle it. But you can also use your thumb or a tool of something to stimulate that point. You know how we stimulate the sternum? You can stimulate that point, and it will help with revival and help bring the person back up. There's mm-hmm. also ac- acupuncture points where, for example, and I've been in there where the paramedic took over and the person, su- su- you know, something like they have like a, you know, like, a, you know, ventricular tachycardia and they're just like gotten themselves all wound up. And, um, we, you know, that's why they put the whole cold on the back of the neck. Maybe it's sometimes even stimulating some of those points in the back there. Gold letter 20, that area can actually relax the muscles and bring down, you know, get them back into rhythm. Um, and there's some different acupuncture points. And this is why I'm going to think about this because this would be a great, like, like CU course mm-hmm. would be like some points that you can use to help relax the body while you're transporting right. and maybe get a better outcome. Um, but that, that's what I would do is like, just use, just use manual tech, manual th- techniques on these points to help relax. That's what I would think about doing. Our mission at responder wellness Inc is to subsidize or provide free of charge safety equipment and wellness services to first responders, including police officers, firefighters, EMS personnel, and 911 operators throughout Connecticut. Resources include scholarships to train new EMTs, a responder and veteran-only AA group in Danbury, Connecticut, as well as police vests, a fire and EMS boot program, yoga classes, gym memberships, and t-shirts. The founder of Responder Wellness, Inc., co-leads a peer support group sponsored by Fairfield County Trauma Response Team. Responder Wellness, Inc. is a nonprofit 501c3. Find us on the web at responderwellness.org, on Facebook at Responder Wellness, Inc., or email us, responderwellness at gmail.com. Responder Wellness, Inc., putting responders first. It's probably... um a little more complicated for people to learn those acupressure points. Um, just even, and I've never been in the ambulance, uh, but I know that if I'm sitting with somebody in, in therapy and they're beginning to hyperventilate or, you know, they're on the verge of panic, the slower cadence to the voice, mm-hmm. you know, like just slowing your voice down, just listen to my voice. You know, there's the prosody effect of your voice can actually have a very soothing effect um, on their nervous system, mm-hmm. right? The vagus yeah. nerve responds to just a very slow, I'm kind of imitating it right now. You know, there's nothing shrill about my voice, but I've helped people calm down just from that. Um, I know that I have, uh, if, if I've been with my kids uh, and they're upset about something, I can have them uh, lay on a couch, right? And so I'm thinking of like a, a patient in a, um, you know, in the back of an ambulance. And there's, you know, by by tapping the shoulders, it's it's it has a very soothing. It's because it's so rhythmic, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm behind my son, and I'm doing this tapping, which is very similar to you know, kind of EMDR, 
you know, back and forth, um, calming, you know, it has a very calming, soothing effect on a person. The other thought I had was just something that if you can control your own heart rate variability. And so, gee, how do you do that? But this goes back to heart math, right? So if, if you're familiar with heart math, great. If not, you can always look it up. But Getting your own heart rhythm into a very coherent state where, um, you know, your blood pressure is going to be lower. There's going to be a a coherent rhythm to your heartbeat. The electromagnetic field of the heart, and you know this, Ken, Mm -hmm. is um, it it goes out about um, six feet, six feet from the body. So, you know, you know, so there's like this circle, this 12 foot mm-hmm. circle around us. So if anybody, if you're calm mm-hmm. and you're, you know, you're slowing your breathing down, you're talking to the client. If you have to, you could always hold their hands or like mm-hmm. I said, tap them gently. It could be their knees. If you ask their permission first, can I, can I tap you? You can calm someone down because your heart rate variability, there's something called entrainment. Again, you know this, uh, Ken, um, that the more coherent, heart rate variability, that would be you, the clinician or the EMT or paramedic, is going to have a dominating effect on the person who is in incoherent heart rate. So um, they will entrain to you because the the calmer person has actually a more uh, intense effect on the person who is not calm. So just by showing up and being calm and talking calm, no, no, like, you know, it's not rocket science, you know, you, you right. can actually really impact a person. But if there is a, a CEU class on acupressure points on the air or whatever, and you can calm a patient down in the ambulance, I think it's great. Yeah. And, you know? and I think also heart math for, for first responders would be great. I mean, it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. not, it's, it's not a complex, it's not no. a complex technique. No. Um, and the other thing is that 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 I that comes to mind is there is times when and I've done this in the ambulance is having somebody mirror my breathing because because yeah. I'm not the paramedic I've worked with one of the paramedics that I really like uh, in our system that she and I work together really well is she was doing all of the man she was doing the management she was putting in the IV she was you know pushing the drugs doing all that while I was managing the patient the patient was looking at me mm-hmm. and I had her start I had her start mirroring me as I was going along and so for EMTs it's a great opportunity if you're in the back with two people you know one who's doing the care the physical care while right. you're doing the mental emotional care there's a real opportunity there I think in my opinion um, absolutely so this so, might be the future of EMS. You know, uh, more, more holistic things the, in the future. The hospital, they're all set. Yeah. <laughs> they're all chilled. Like, I'm ready to go now. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. Right. You just have to drive around the block a few times and get a trip to the hospital. <laughs> right. um, Dr. Ken Hoffman, this has been a fascinating, wide-ranging conversation. We've covered a lot of amazing topics. Um, I'm sure we could go further, and maybe we will again sometime in the future. Um, how can people get in touch with you or find you out there? What uh, What are some of the uh, – what's the name of your – clinic and where is it on the internet okay so uh i am in brookfield connecticut it's called sophia natural medicine center or sophia natural health you can find us at inm.center and that'll tell you all about what i do um and you can find us on facebook you can find us uh you know you can you know can call my number at 203-740-9300 again but you'll find it all online 
Um, we do do telemedicine. So even if you're out of the area, we can do a lot of these techniques and give you some counseling. Um, and if you know the area, we're in Brookfield Medical Center, which is right down in the Four Corners area. And uh, yeah, we'd be happy to help anybody we can. Fantastic. Um, it's uh, it's so interesting you mentioned telemedicine because um, some of the functional medicine doctors that uh, I've met are doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's it's become a treatment modality where someone's, say, dealing with cancer and they're in Minnesota mm-hmm. and you're in New York, you can help them on their cancer treatment journey uh, just by doing some consults and and guidance on sure. online and uh, so it's a powerful tool and um so it doesn't have to be somebody that's uh can actually have physically be there but uh you can guide them uh online as well so yeah absolutely yeah technology when it works is great <laughs> <laughs> Abs- yep it is well again thank you so much for joining us um it's been a great conversation and i'm sure it's gonna be valuable to our listeners I'd like to remind everybody like and subscribe on YouTube, we're at Responder Resilience. On Facebook, it's Responder Wellness Inc. page. We're on BBS Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our website is RespondertV.com. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe. Be kind to yourself. Take care.